Hi, you're listening to the Child Free Wealth Podcast. We're your hosts, Bree and Dr. J, certified financial planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. Hey guys, we're back. I'm here with Dr. Jay, and we're going to be talking about the SVB Bank and protecting your money today. So Dr. Jay, with the recent news of the Silicon Valley Bank going under, what can you tell us about that? Oh, this is this is a fun one. Um, I think we're going to learn more as you know we get a year or two away from it, but it's what was called a bank run, you know, which is really simple. If you go to the bank right now and you try to take out all your money and you ask for too much, they don't have it. You know, one of my colleagues went to the bank the other day and this woman was in front of him. She's probably in her 80s and she had heard about these bank runs and said, hey, I want to pull out my $250,000 from the bank. And the bank goes, no, I don't have it. And of course, she then was like, this is in my account. Give it to me. But... The reality check is they probably might have 25 grand in cash or something like that. They don't have a quarter million dollars in cash. And by the way, what was she going to do? Put in the mattress? I mean, what would you do with a quarter million dollars in cash, Bree? You know, I really don't know. I would not feel safe having that in my house or on my person. But when you say they don't have it, where is that money then? So they've actually lent it out to people. And the way that the system works is they can actually lend more money than they bring in. That's uh, a separate discussion. We can talk about economics and, and things. But they, in, in the Silicon Valley Bank example, they had bought a whole bunch of bonds and mortgage-backed securities that had a 10-year uh, duration. But what happened was that works great as long as nobody wants their money in the 10 years because they're making money on it and they just have it on the banks. Everybody comes and asks for it. They actually had to sell bonds at a loss. And then that loss then gets hurt and it keeps like snowballing to the point where they don't have it. Um, the banks themselves, you know, they may have liquidity issues. This is like a fancy way of saying they just don't have the cash. Like seriously, if you go in the vault and like, hey, is there piles of cash or like the Scrooge McDuck uh, vault of gold coins? There isn't. There's, there's zeros and ones on a bank account somewhere. Um, and, and with SVB, it was kind of interesting as we pull them apart. They had enough money around. They were actually pretty well capitalized, but they didn't have it in the bank or in something they can get to. And this is kind of one of those weird things. You put money in, you think like they put it in Bree's account and leave it there. But no, they took Bree's amount and gave it to someone else for a mortgage, which is what a bank's supposed to do. But then when you go ask for your money, you're actually going to take money from someone else who just deposited something and it keeps moving. And I don't know. I mean, you said you don't trust... You don't trust having a quarter million dollars of cash in your mattress. Do you trust having it in the bank? Yeah, I would. Why? I've been conditioned to say that banks are safe if they have FDIC backing. Well, but now there are a whole bunch of people with millions of dollars in this bank and couldn't get it. Yeah. It definitely brings a different perspective and makes a person think again on it. So let's talk about this FDIC. All right. So FDIC is insurance that covers 250000 per person per, let's call it per bank. There's some small things that you can have different accounts, but let's call it per bank. So you and your wife could, 
insure up to half a million dollars. Once it gets over that half million dollars, there is no insurance. Now, right now, the, the U.S. government has said, yeah, we're going to cover the rest of it. They go, well, why would I have more than half a million dollars in cash in the bank? And for individuals, I'm going, I don't know. You shouldn't. Uh, you probably should invest that money or do things. But like, let's say you sold a house and the house was worth a bunch of money and the money's in there while you're buying the next house. The federal government said, hey, I'll cover you. But they don't have to. They could have just said, yep, everybody over half a million dollars. You need to wait until the bank is sold. Are you getting freaked out yet? Yeah, a little bit. What I mean, do you think I, don't, I don't have more than half a million dollars laying around, so it makes me more comfortable, but yeah, a little bit. By the way, it's okay to be a little freaked out. Uh, if you have more than, as an individual, 250000 or as a couple, half a million, you should spread that across different banks. Let's just be real on that. There's some services, uh, one I use, uh, um, and I get nothing for the referral, I just like them, is Max My Interest. They charge you a little fee, but they actually uh, will move to you the highest high-yield savings account, but also stay in the FDIC limit. That's a good thing. That way, you know, you know you're going to get your money back eventually. One of the issues with SVB was that a lot of people were like, yeah, I need to make payroll on Friday, and I need a million dollars for payroll, and I don't have it which then becomes this next big nightmare of like, oh, my employer can't pay me? Sounds weird. I, I worked for a health system and uh, uh, years ago they had some financial issues and the staff used to actually, when this back when we're getting paper checks and I know like you've never seen that Brie cause you know, paper checks have never existed in your lifetime, but. I write um, paper checks to myself every month. Yeah, your pay, yeah, the ones you write, but you know. You haven't seen an employer give a paper check, but used to be they take the paper checks down to the bank and be the first one to deposit it because when it gets to the end of the uh, payroll, they may not have enough money for everybody. Now, I mean, that's not today, but it's a lesson to learn. You know, and, and our grandparents literally used to keep money in the mattress because bank runs and run out of money and what do I do? I, I mean, I don't know. It, the hard part of this is you don't want to freak out but you want to be smart about it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Bree? I guess one question I have is all of the money that people have, is there actually that amount of money like printed off somewhere and stored? Or is it just kind of an accounting number almost? And it's just written as we have that much amount of money, but it's never been printed off. Oh, we can have a whole different debate on, you know, what actually backs the dollar and do, do we actually have dollars on hand and uh, currency? And there's, yeah, we'll lose listeners immediately when you start going down that road. But <laughs> the reality check is it's zeros and ones. You know, it is just computer code that says you have money. Now, by the code is backed up and all that and the papers backs up the code. And but, yeah, it's a little rough. I also think the other thing that people don't think about with banking is what happens if the internet's down? I know it sounds a weird concept, but it, it's happened before. Or what happens if like you can't use your credit card or your debit card or whatever? Yeah, I was uh, at our old house when we were in Connecticut. We had a pretty rough uh, winter storm and we we're out of power for almost two weeks. But we had a generator and all that. Go to the gas station, though, the credit card machine doesn't work. Oh, yeah. How much cash do you keep around, Bree? Not much. Not much at all. I think I have like a 20 because my mom sent it to me for a birthday. 
Yep. My rule with my wife is we each have to have a hundred bucks on cash at all times. Okay. Why? Because that's enough to get you out of most jams if your card doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, in actuality, uh, people ask me about emergency funds. If you won't spend it, I encourage people to leave a thousand dollars in cash somewhere secure. Now, mind you, there's a risk now people steal it or a house goes on fire. But you know what? We got to take one risk with the other. But if a tree falls in my house, I'm much more likely to get somebody to come out here and cut it up and, and make my house secure if I have cash on hand than trying to get them to take a credit card. That's true. You know, but we're so used to like, well, let me Venmo you. Well, if I have no internet. That was going to be my question. But yeah, I guess if you don't have internet and can't get cell service or anything, you can't Venmo people. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Okay. For everybody listening, if you missed the intro, part of the fun of this with Bree is we are in two different generations. So you you technically a millennial there, Bree? Uh, I was born in 97, so I'm a Gen Zer. Like, wow. So we're actually three generations apart. I, I'm Gen X. Um, you're Gen Z. And I'll tell you, I don't love the generational tags, but 20 years of difference is a different perspective. You know, I told Brie about emergency. She's like, well, I can just Venmo you. And I'm like, yeah, but what if you don't have internet? And she's like, oh. Like, literally, I was born when there was no internet. Like, I know you, you've always had it. But it, it, it's, it's the hard part. And when it comes to banking, we're just used to it all being there. That's very true. Yeah, it's just typically there and easy. I mean, I log in on my phone. I check things. I move things around. I deposit checks in my phone. And yeah, if you don't have the internet, that's hard. So uh, last week we had, um, so I'm in Mississippi. We had some tornadoes come through and I actually had an internet outage. I have, I have fiber, a gigabit fiber to my house. I'm in the middle of nowhere. But someone had taken down the fiber and we were out for a day and a half. Like I started having like the shakes and withdrawals from not having the internet. I mean, you can't stream anything because I don't have any cable TV. Like I, I stream everything. I, I had to cancel client meetings. I, I couldn't even use my phone because I'm in the middle of nowhere. We have no cell phone service. I'm like outside holding my phone up and like trying to find a bar just to, to email people. We don't even think about these things. And it's all our finances are there. Yep. Did I freak you out yet, Bree? It does, but also in the same sense, um, you know, growing up with my grandparents on the farm and now my brother on the farm, I remember when, when, you know, in order to make a phone call with your cell phone, you had to go stand outside in the middle of the gravel road and just like one right specific spot in order to make that phone call. And even now there are spots up there you can't get any sort of connected. But when you say, you know, does it freak you out with your money? Oh yeah, now it does. So I'm someone who I like to have access to my money. <laughs> All right, now that I freaked you out, let me work your way backwards. So, a um, couple things. One, you got to have some cash hanging around because just stuff happens. Just you. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, when she was she was raising her kids, she gave them all a hundred dollar bill in their wallet and said, "If you ever get an emergency, you have this. You don't have to ask questions. I'll replace it. You're like in a cab, whatever." Now, by the way, everybody's like, "Well, now I can Uber if you have internet. Like if you're seeing a reoccurring theme, it's all about technology." So we need to have a backup if technology doesn't work. From a banking standpoint, technology was actually what brought down SVB. It looks like what we've seen is Peter Thiel and a few others said to everybody else who's in the venture capital world, I think there's a problem at SVB, pull your money out. And then overnight, billions 
gone. It was a Twitter bank run, essentially. Oh, good Twitter. Good old Twitter. By the way, the old school was literally there'd be a line outside the bank, and then one person would say, oh, they ran out of money, and next thing you know, the line is triple, and that was the bank run. So now we've brought it to the internet and done an internet bank run. Um, so we want to make sure everything is under the FDIC limits. I don't care if it's over by five bucks, whatever. You'll just put that at risk. That means using multiple counts. Also, if you've got more than the FDIC limit for cash, you probably should be investing it. I, you know, just, just rolling that out. Uh, now your investments are not guaranteed because they'll go up or down as the market goes up or down. But, you know, you want to be making some money on it. Right now, high yield savings accounts are doing very well. We're in 2023. That's not a bad place, but I can split it across accounts. People say, well, can I use online banks? Sure, as long as they're FDIC. You know, so I've been banking with Ally forever. Uh, back when internet banks were a weird idea, they've been giving me a higher fee, a higher interest than my local bank. Cool. They're FDIC. I don't need them to have a brick and mortar building to go to. That works fine. Um, also, since you were talking about everything's online, need some type of password manager. So you have like real passwords, not like post-it notes like my wife does for all of her passwords. Um, and you need to you know, have some security around that two-factor authentication. The reality check of like, is my bank going to go under? Maybe, but your deposits should be okay. You just may have a delay of a week or two to get to it. Um, so, Bree, would you be okay if you had no access to your money for two weeks? It would be a lot of calling to different places, like all of my reoccurring utilities, saying, hey, you know, this is what's happening. And I did have that, actually, at one point in college. My It's when I only used a debit card for anything and somebody hacked into my bank account and so for a couple of weeks i had a call and just say hey i'm sorry i can't pay this right now i have to wait because this is what happened and they were fine with it and everything got paid when i got my money back yep most people can make it work i like to have two different bank account banks for that reason not necessarily because the banks are going to go under but because the technology and financial technology sucks and it's just like you might go to log in and like oh no we're down for maintenance and you're like yeah but i need my money um, and they're like, no. Nope. So you at least have that backup bank account. Also, when it comes to investing, keep in mind your, your cash may be protected under FDIC, depending on the place, but your brokerage is not protected under FDIC. There's actually something different called SIPC, which is a different insurance for securities. The way this works is it, it protects up to half a million dollars. 250,000 of that can be cash, up to, no more. It protects it in case fraud. This We're talking like the Bernie Madoff type things. And by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, check out the Madoff uh, documentary. I think it was on Netflix. It was really interesting to see. We're talking about real fraud. That's what that protects against. The bonus of your brokerage is they're actually what's called a custodian. They're just holding your stock. Uh, and they're required to have it separate. So it's not like the bank where they take your money in and give it to someone else. They're required to hold it separate. Now, we can have some separate discussions on direct registration, a few things that might help you there, but just understand it's held separate. So if you have your money at Vanguard or Fidelity or whatever, and they go out of business, 
Well, first thing is, if like Vanguard goes to business, they're the second largest holder in the you know U.S. We're all going to have issues, but your securities are still okay. Your your whatever you've invested in. Keep in mind, SIPC does not protect against like oh, what happens if you know the company goes out of business like that I have invested in? No, nope. you put all your money in Tesla and it all goes away. That's on you. Yeah. Or if it all goes up, that's on you too. That's the insurance doesn't risk. protect. What's that? That's the business risk that you take. Yeah, that's the investment risk you're taking on. Um, but you're still protected. You know, you can't have like a, I'd have to figure out, I can't, can't say never, but let's say there's not a, a high way, to, uh, an easy way to have a bank run on a brokerage because the money's separate. The other thing you'll find is a lot of brokerages have a additional insurance that covers your assets up to, you know, millions of dollars as you go through it. Uh, so, so it's a little less risky. I think the reality check is you need to have a plan and to understand what risk you are taking. And while well, banks, yep, they're great. And we haven't seen too many bank closures, knock on wood. We've seen a bunch in the past couple months. Like, you know, the, you know, it's, it's been one of those things where there can be a contagion between banks where people are taking their money from the smaller banks and going to the middle sized banks. And then the smaller banks get run out of money and then the, the middles have to go to, it just, it's, it's a bit of fear and, and freaking out. So I, I use that example of the woman who was trying to take out $250,000. You know, she's going back to everybody in her community and saying the bank doesn't have my money. Mm-hmm. What, what the bank really meant is they have to order a bank drop off. And by the way, if you want to see something fun, they order that. Don't tell you when it's coming. It comes in the armored car, the whole works. And then they hand this woman, here, here's $250,000. Good luck getting to your car. Like, <laughs> you know, we had armored service come in, but they can get it. It just, they didn't have it at that moment. Yeah. And that, but then people freak out. Well, if they didn't have her money, do they have my money? And this is where a bank run starts happening. We just start going through it. I, I just, I don't know. I think the reality check for everybody is your money's probably safe. Don't go over to limits, but have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So, Bree, you're going to take out some money out of the ATM and, and leave some cash around now? I might, yeah. Yeah, I might be doing that now. I mean, your wife's a pilot. It's a great example. She could end up all over the, the U.S. Yeah. And a little cash... Probably is a good place for her to have. She does keep cash on hand when she goes. Um, She always goes and usually gets like $100 on ones, which sounds weird. But Is she going to the strip club? I mean, you know, I'm just going to call out the $100 on ones. She jokingly calls that it's her stripper money, but she takes it so she can tip van drivers and shuttle drivers and all that. So, Yeah. Uh, A little cash is a good thing to have. I mean, you know, have to keep a lot of it. The other one, by the way, on cash is if you ever need emergencies, you can usually get discounts by paying by cash. Yep. You want to get a contractor at your house, tell them you're paying cash, and they'll not only discount you, but they'll be there in 20 minutes. It's <laughs> just kind of how it works. Um, but I don't want to keep 250000 in my mattress. Yep. Now, by the way, I will call it out because you may have a parent or a grandparent who's literally keeping the cash in the mattress. I'm not going to call any family members, but, you know, let's just say I know some people. And the challenge is, A, knowing where it is. B, what happens if they don't, you know, they can't tell you? Mm-hmm. And then how much is it? And it's also, by the way, not keeping up with inflation. Mm-hmm. 
one of my neighbors had a great example of this. His father, who is, you know, from the Depression, you know, so we're kind of working ages, always kept gold coins around in case things happen. So there was a cup, there was a little coffee can with gold coins. Everybody knew it existed. And dad said, hey, if there's ever a rainy day, I've got these gold coins. Dad passes and he never told anyone where the coins were. They ripped up to the entire house, the yard, everything, because it's probably buried out by a tree or something. Yeah. Never found it. The guess about a quarter million dollars in gold coins is missing. And that's the challenge of keeping cash on hand. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So at least know where it is, you know, share with others. But you need to have some mix. You know, like we don't want to have all the money in our mattress. We don't want to have all of it in the bank. We don't want to have all of it in the market. We've got to find that balance. That's a, that's a really good point about knowing where it is. I think, too, is sometimes it can be hard to have those discussions with parents. And I know that I am with my parents. I'm very much like, no, I need to know these things because what if something happens? Yep. Then I'm going to be the one who's in charge of this and trying to figure things out. And, and they tell you, it. oh, we'll tell you when it's time. Yep. And then they have a stroke and they're like, I can't tell you. Yep, exactly. Or dementia, Alzheimer's. That happened to be the example with my neighbor's dementia. And I was like, nope, not much we can do. Yeah, so never know. my point is not, hey, put all your money in the bank or put it, just have a plan, have it spread out. You know, I'm not trying to like get doomsday prepping on you and, you know, everything. I mean, we can, we can have a separate episode on that, but, you know, just have a little backup. You know, when I talk about that, that emergency in the, in the snow, I had cash and a gas tank and a generator and I went to the... Gas station filled up, and we had power the entire time, including internet. We had power, because remember, if your power goes out, you don't have internet. And we had no problems. I actually had to, like, give some cash to one of my neighbors so he could do the same thing. And he's like, oh, oh, never mind, I can't Venmo you. (laughs) Like, you know, like, there's just, like, the automatic, I will, no, I can't. I'll send it to you when I get, when we get back. Yep. So, no. That, and, too, just depending on generations, I know. My parents, even my brother, who is younger than I am, does not have, they don't have Venmo. They're like, I don't know what that is. Sorry. And so having cash on hand, it can be really good because there have been times where it's been one family member's paid for something or like my parents have paid for something and they need to pay my parents. And so then it all goes to me and then I have to send money to them for whatever gift was bought. So having cash on hand is a very, very good point. And people don't think about it, but Venmo, Cash App, PayPal are all essentially banking services mm-hmm. with an app on it. You got to watch the money that's in there. Uh, there's been a bigger issues there with you know people like hacking accounts and all that, because you know not Bree, but many other people have one password for everything, and you know all of a sudden they're in their their Venmo and other things. The other one to keep in mind, just uh, one of those little plugs, if you're using Venmo, Cash App, all that in 2023. IRS has said that if you get over $600 in cash deposits to you, you are going to get a 1099 on that and have to pay income taxes. Okay. Question with that then, because I know I'm already over that limit this year from trips, but so I paid for different things when I I got married, like on destination wedding. So I paid for a bunch of things and then people paid me back for different excursions do I have to pay taxes on what I was reimbursed for by those people? If you don't have paperwork that says those are gifts, yes. Okay. 
This is the, this is the problem. So the six hundred dollars is, is the limit. And by the way, six hundred bucks is like you know going out to eat a couple times. You know, so if you like cover it and you're like oh Venmo Venmo a year apart, yeah, you can go over six hundred bucks in a in a month. But what happens if you don't have paperwork, you know, and documentation of what that money is? You now have a ten ninety nine for ten thousand dollars of an income, mm-hmm. and you're going to be paying taxes on every penny of that. Okay, so you're freaking out, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> It, it was quite a bit. Um, what can I do then? Or what can other people do too to say, hey, you know, this wasn't a reimbursement for something. You need paperwork. You need documentation. You need to show what that was. Okay. Also, this is where people try to like get like uh, smart on the apps. Like, oh, this is money I send to friends and family. Yeah, well, then you need something to say that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Then you may not have to pay taxes. Or, hey, it's a reimbursement up, then you may not. But if I said, hey, it's a gift, but then I'm a reimbursement, it's getting weird. And you're going to have to talk to your tax preparer on this. But I, I have a feeling, so they were supposed to actually do that for 2022, and IRS pushed it off one year. I have a feeling a whole lot of people are going to get smacked upside the head by this mm-hmm. um, because they don't think of you know Venmo being part of their banking and, and their income and all that. It is. And... Since you're a U.S. citizen, you are taxed on your worldwide earnings, which includes, hey, I sent you 20 bucks for pizza. Okay. That makes sense. So you better have some documentation that says that's a gift or that's a reimbursement or whatever that is, and then have a good conversation with your tax preparer on that. Um, Because if you don't, you're out of luck. Also, keep in mind, if you like sell things on like eBay or Facebook Marketplace, all that, used to be there was a $20,000 and 200 item limit. Now it's 600 bucks again. And that is income. Yep. You know, so if Bree decides to sell all those books behind her, she's probably got like three bucks, but sells all the books on eBay, then that all becomes income and you're going to have to pay tax on it. And people go, well, but I shouldn't have to pay tax. No. Any income you get, cash, cash apps, uh, payroll checks, Uber, any of that, you have to pay income taxes on. Yep. Okay. Now, by the way, people have hit it for years. But that's why they changed the rules. Yeah. We'll have a separate discussion on them going after the people with $600 in, in Venmo versus the billionaires not paying their taxes. But that's like a whole different topic. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Things are coming together there. So you're feeling better or worse about the banks? I think I need to adjust how I do some things and keeping cash on hand probably would be good. But I also... You know, you mentioned having different accounts at different banks and I'm very much that person. I have certain money that I don't like to see, so I have it at a different bank so I can't see it. That's all for this week's episode of Child Free Wealth Podcast. Be sure to follow Child Free Wealth on social media. Email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com or visit our website, www.childfreewealth.com.